0: To do announcements this morning. I want to welcome you. Um, first off, we have a deacons meeting um, at seven o'clock tonight. Um, Lord's Supper is next week during services. Um, child dedication. We're also going to be doing a child dedication next Sunday. So if you have a child that you want to be dedicated, please see Pastor Neal or somebody that can get you to Pastor Neal and we'll get you on the list. Um, Fall Festival. I was told to really emphasize the Fall Festival. Um, So Fall Festival is next week. It's 5 to 7. It's a totally free event. We need more candy. We need more volunteers. Um, Specifically, we need more trunks. So if you want to be in the Trunk or Treat, please let us know and we'll get you plugged in. Pumpkin smash. Every year, the students do a pumpkin smash, and we smash all the rotten pumpkins that you have carved over this season. Um, it is a lot of fun, probably one of the most fun things that we do. Um, so that is after the fall festival, the Sunday after the fall festival, so not next Sunday, but the next. Um, and that'll be at 6, and it'll be at the ball field. Then we have reverb coming up as well. Reverb is November 18th, and it's an all-night event where the leaders, the student leaders, take the students um, to some really fun things planned. Um, It's a Word of Life event. Um, We don't plan it, they plan it, so there's a lot of students there that we meet up with there. We play games. We have a lesson, and we stay up all night. Um, it's it's a lot of fun for the students. Um, so Thursday, we are sewing gift bags, candy bags for the children. So if you're interested in making candy bags with Miss Crystal, see her or one of us. Um, that'll be five o'clock in the fellowship hall. W M um, U is going to be Tuesday at 6 o'clock. So if you're interested in getting plugged in with that, um, see Ms. Crystal as well. Um, The membership list that they mentioned last week is still back there, so if you need to make changes to anything, um, any of your information, please, please change that soon. And shoeboxes have been ordered and are coming, and that is my last announcement. So, Mr. Allen, if you want to come up. Can I
1: make a little plug for the cakewalk? If you're planning on making a cake, brownies, cookies,
2: anything, if you will bring them next Sunday and take them to the fellowship hall after church, uh, we will divide them up and get them ready for the cake walk because that is a
1: big, big draw for a lot of them. <laughs> and because I know we Glidlock people know how to cook. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank you, Miss Elaine. All right, the scripture this morning we're going to be in Isaiah, verse 50, or chapter fifty-three, <clears throat> all twelve verses. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed, like a youthful wife? Oh, sorry. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? for he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was he any deceit, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. when you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful and so thankful and so undeserving of the love that you've given to us. You poured out your entire life, your soul, and everything that you have within you to save each and every one of us. Lord, if we choose to come to you when you call us, Lord, we can receive the greatest gift that we could ever understand or even fathom, and that is a relationship with you. Each and every day, Lord, we can be reminded of all the different promises and all the different ways that you speak to us through your word and through your message. We pray that as, as Neil brings your message and your truth today, Lord, that we would sit and contemplate and soak in all the knowledge and all the many ways that you bless us each and every day. And I just pray that if there's anyone that has not received your gift of salvation, Lord, that today would be the day that you speak to their heart and they will receive you and spend eternity with you in your home. We pray these things, and we ask for you to be in this day in an awesome and powerful and wonderful way. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and for his sake we pray. Amen. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Good morning. If you'll stand this morning, last couple of weeks we looked at um, Jesus being sentenced, so this week we... Uh, continue on in the book of luke and so through our songs i think you can probably figure out what we're going to look at this morning too we're going to begin worshiping with when i survey the wondrous cross It's worshiping. came to Samaria to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus told her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, asked to drink of me, a Samaritan woman? Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying it to you, give me a drink, you wouldn't ask him and he would give you living water. As the choir comes down, if you'll stand, we're going to sing one more song together this morning. We're going to sing In Christ Alone. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much um, for just beautiful songs that point us to the cross, God, um, the wondrous cross. May we take time this morning to each survey what it means in our life, God. Um, and may we just be reminded that you truly are, all in all, Lord, how um, comforting and wonderful to know that when we fall, you pick us up. And that you know our cup's going to run dry, God, but you're there to fill it up. So, Lord, may we all come to you this morning. Um, knowing that our cup's not full, but God, uh, if we come to you thirsty, you surely will fill it for us, God. So, Lord, that's our prayer this morning, that you'll um, just fill our cup till it's overflowing so we can show others um, your, your abundance of love and grace and mercy. We just love you and praise you and thank you so much, and we pray that you continue to be with us during this time of study. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated, and children are going with Sarah Beth in the back for Children's Church.
3: Okay, yeah, if the um, rest of us would turn to Luke chapter 23, as our children leave for Children's Church, we will continue our verse-by-verse study through the gospel of Luke. We are coming to the end. As Catherine mentioned earlier, our last few weeks have gone something like this, as we've retold the story that most of us have already heard. Jesus has been arrested. Uh, Jesus has been sentenced. And today our message will focus on the fact that Jesus is crucified. And that is preparing for the next two weeks, which will be Jesus is buried and then Jesus is risen. So it's not that complex, but understanding it and applying it is quite a different story. So. Let's turn to Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Before I do that, I want to say happy birthday to Mr. Johnny Daniel. Amen. A little bird named Patsy told me today was your birthday, Johnny, so you can nudge her in the ribs. But there you go, that was good. So. Johnny is a, if you know his story, he's a miracle in more ways than one. Uh, Not long after I got here, he was diagnosed with leukemia many years ago. And yesterday, Johnny and Patsy were there where they normally are on Saturday mornings in the fall, helping with Glenlock soccer. They help us load, go down there. And then yesterday, Johnny shared the devotion. And Johnny, I'm grateful for what Uh, You mean to me and to us and our church family. We love you and happy birthday. Now, if anybody else has a birthday, my apologies to you. Uh, We're going to do for one what we wish we could do for everybody. So let's turn to Luke chapter 23, beginning with verse 32. All right, and I'm going to read through verse 49. So it's kind of a lengthy text, but this is important. I really feel like this is uh, sacred ground. If you might say, this passage is sacred ground, and some of the most important things about God and Jesus we learn from this passage so if what I recommend that we do is not only read through it but we need to read through something like this regularly because this is the heart of the gospel, it's the heart of the Bible, it's the heart of the christian faith so uh let's let's cut to the chase here luke twenty three Um, I think I said 32. So there were two others also who were criminals. Two others also who were criminals. And they were being led away to be put to death with him, with Jesus. And when they came to the place called, quote, the Skull or Golgotha, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Now if we were living in this day and age, that phrase, they crucified him, would imply a whole lot more than you and I uh, know. Because of what the nature of crucifixion was under the regime of, of the Romans. But Jesus, look at verse 34, is this not amazing? One of the most amazing and gracious verses in all the scriptures. But Jesus was saying, so this this makes it sound like it was something that he repeatedly said. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves, and the people stood by, looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying things like this, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself." There was also an inscription above him, and in my version, it's all caps. This is the king of the Jews. The political ground, so to speak, upon which he was condemned to crucifixion. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him. One of the uh, gospel writers says that he was hurling profanity, cursing Jesus. And the other criminals started out with that attitude and with that mentality. But at some point, he shifted as we'll see in just a second. But one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered in rebuking him. Said, do you not even fear God? Since you're under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve. We are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, and here's another precious statement from Christ. One of the most beautiful statements in, in, in all of language, I, I, would, I would guess. Truly I say to you, today, today you shall be with me in paradise. And that statement is packed with meaning, isn't it? Then about the sixth hour... It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now, that's from noon till three o'clock, midday, darkness completely enveloped the area. It reminding us, as someone said, there was light in the middle ...of the night when Christ was born... ...and there was darkness in the middle of the day when Christ was born. The sun being obscured, the veil of the temple torn in two. That big thick curtain that guarded the way into the Holy of Holies... ...was ripped and split right in two. That would have taken a miracle for that to, to, to be accomplished... Opening the way of access to God. How incredible. See, there's so much here. I'm just trying to highlight some things. So Jesus was crying out with a loud voice saying, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So the, the seventh saying from the cross, the last words that Christ ever spoke, Were those in verse 47, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Total and complete surrender. Now when the centurion, Roman centurion, who would be over uh, many soldiers, uh, is it a hundred? I guess it is, that's what century means. So a Roman soldier in charge of a hundred other soldiers, when he saw what had happened... He began to praise God saying, certainly this man was innocent. He's righteous. Notice what he does with that realization. He praises God for this man's righteousness. When all the multitudes who came together for this spectacle, and what a spectacle it was. When they observed what had happened they began to return beating their breast which was a sign of remorse contrition maybe even implying guilt. All his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance seeing these things. Father may we have the the scales pulled back from our own eyes so that we can see and hear and know and feel what we need to see and hear and know and feel today in regards to this great passage of Scripture in Luke's Gospel. This is where we find recorded that Jesus is crucified. So, Father, help me and us read this, understand this, and apply this to where we are and may we, with our heart of hearts and our personal relationship with you, uh, express to you the faith and the love and the repentance that, that this calls for in each one of us. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace that we see. And the fact that Christ has been crucified for us. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, There's a whole lot here. <laughs> All right, You know that. As I read through it. So for the last few weeks what I've tried to do is take this familiar story. That for some of us may not have new information. But to retell it and to think about it in such a way that you and I would apply to our lives. The the necessary response that the story of Jesus entails. So what I've done over the last 2 weeks, no, I think it might have been 3. Remember me telling you I had these this number of words that 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 flow from the gospel that the cross changes the vocabulary of our lives and changes the trajectory of our lives. And so over the last few weeks, I've covered already seven words. Now, it's been said that every sermon ought to have at least one point. (laughs) And sometimes I know I can be overwhelming. But today, believe it or not, I'm going to try to give you seven more in addition to the other seven. But before we get there, I've got a few things I would like to say. Number one, there will be a pop quiz later on in the month. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. But I do want to tell you what the first seven words were because they are foundational and they paved the way for the next seven words. Repentance, faith, worship, humility, hunger, love and endurance and we worked all that out but the reason i mention that in passing is i'm going to give us at the end of this seven more words and here's why i'm doing this i think everything in the bible flows toward the cross and then everything we are called to be and everything the new testament says about what we are to be flows from the cross and the resurrection so i'm just trying to think There are certain words that in the Christian life of discipleship you and I ought to be living out. Like humility and repentance and faith. And those words, those qualities happen to us as we return again and again and again to the cross of Christ. Paul told the Corinthians, I have determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And the reason he said that is that what you and I need most is to come again and again and again to what God has done for us on the cross, that everything required of us and everything cultivated in us comes back to us returning to the gospel. So let's, again, go and see what is happening here. What's happening here? Alan read Isaiah 53. And if you want to know what's going on behind the scenes of the cross, go to places like Isaiah 53. Tells us what God intended for us to see and know and hear as Jesus went through this spectacle, this theater, so to speak, of the cross. What is the theater of the cross? And you'll find, if you work out Isaiah 53, and if you work out what I just read from Luke chapter 23, you'll find four words that start with S that help us understand what was going on beneath the surface. The first word is the word shocking. This is very shocking, isn't it? I mean, why do the the multitudes leave the cross and and they're, they're, they're mortified? They're shocked. This, is, this has not just been any crucifixion. Isaiah 53 says, this was like a, like a root springing up out of dry ground. How did this happen? Now, I'm not going to elaborate on this, but know that this is shocking that the teacher, the gentle shepherd, miracle worker who opened eyes and raised the dead He has been counted among the criminals. He has been crucified as a lawbreaker. It was shocking. The second word I want to give us this morning is the word sacrificial. It was sacrificial. Listen, they led him away to put him to death. Isaiah 53 and the description historically in Luke 23 says this about what Jesus went through. He was pierced through for our transgressions. Listen to these words in Isaiah 53. And look at what happened in Luke 23. He was stricken, smitten, afflicted, crushed, chastened, scourged. None of these words are pleasant words. None of these words are things that any of us would would choose to go through. These are terms of sacrifice and suffering and hurt and pain. And this is God going through this for us. So it was shocking, it was sacrificial, it was also substitutionary. And here's what I mean by that. You know what a sub is. If a teacher's out, she'll call in a sub. If your pitcher is stinking it up, you'll call out of the bullpen and get a substitute to come in for him. Give me a sub. I need relief here. Listen, here's what I want to say. Jesus did not just die for us. He died instead of us on the cross. And if you think through that, it makes a world of difference. This is not just something that God did for us, which he did. This is something that God did instead of us. Just think about what the criminal who came to his senses said. Man, what are you talking about? You and I are both under this same sentence. We deserve this. If you know your Bible, you know that you deserve this. That the wages of sin is death. That that, that the penalty of sin is the judgment of God because we have all failed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Here's someone who did that, and he is being crucified not just for us, but instead of us. So one of the key words of the gospel is the word substitutionary atonement. Substitutionary atonement. That's the heart of the gospel. One other S word, then we'll move on. Satisfactory. This was pleasing and satisfying to the justice and holiness of God. Isaiah 53 says that God was pleased to bruise him. Why? Because this is my beloved son in whom I am what? Well pleased. Here is the ultimate well done good and faithful servant. Here's one phrase from a hymn you need to write on the door of your heart. God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. The requirement that the law demanded, the culpability on you and me, has been met fully in the righteousness and the atonement of Jesus Christ. Now you may not think that Monday through Friday that that matters to you, but underneath the surface of your heart and life, what you really crave and hunger for more than anything else is acceptance and favor and pleasure from Almighty God, your Creator. And here's how you get it. You get it only in Christ. God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. That's what the choir just sang about. Living water that flows out of our innermost being because we have a right Relationship with God. So what's happening here? Well, it's shocking, it's sacrificial, it's substitutionary, and it's satisfactory. Let me move on to my next section. If that's what was happening, then what has been achieved? What has been accomplished? Bear with me briefly just a minute and let me lay this out. Do you realize that one of the seven sayings that Jesus said from the cross was this wonderful saying, It is finished. It is done. It is complete. A victory that He achieved on our behalf. Now what did He achieve for us? In one word, it was and is salvation. Salvation. But what does salvation mean? What are we saved from? Who are we saved from? What are we saved for? Let me just sum it up in three statements. And these are three phrases that every person who, like the thief on the cross, looked and said, Lord, I need you. Remember me. You ought to be able to say by faith these three things. Okay, I'm going to give you three statements that if you're living under the cross and trusting in the cross, you can say this confidently and boldly because of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. We could not accomplish this on our own. We could never achieve this on our own, but he has done it for us. Here's the first statement. Because of what Christ has done for me on the cross, I can say this. I can say, I have been saved from the penalty of my sin forever through the atonement of Jesus Christ. I have been saved forever from the penalty of sin due me because of the forgiveness that I have in Christ. The theological fancy word for this is the doctrine of justification. It's just as if I had never sinned. I am forever forgiven. So I have been saved because of what the cross did for me. The second thing you could say is not only have I been saved, but I am being saved from the power of sin in the course of my daily life through the transforming work of Jesus on my behalf. This is, fancy theological word, the doctrine of sanctification. Not only have I been forgiven, but I've been changed and I'm growing and learning and being transformed to become ultimately like Christ. So... I have been saved from the penalty of sin, and now in my personal life, sin shall no longer be master over me. I actually have the power to say no to sin because Christ died on the cross for me, and his power lives in me. What happened at the cross lives in me. It's the power of God over sin, death, and all that Satan is. So I've been justified, I'm being sanctified. And then here's something we point out at a lot of funerals. I will be glorified. Now here's the statement for glorification. I will be saved from the presence of sin forever because I've been united with Jesus in honor and glory, united to him in his death, burial, and resurrection. So here, when somebody asks you, are you saved? If you understand the cross and you understand the implications, here's how you can answer Yes, I'm saved. I have been saved. I am being saved. And I will be saved from the presence of God in a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Now, now what a wonderful gift the gift of salvation is for us, correct? The Apostle Paul put it like this. Galatians 2.20. This is the Galatians 2.20 life. It's life lived Impressed by the cross, life lived, changed by the cross. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. What Jesus accomplished on the cross was the ability for someone like you and me... To say something so fantastic and so amazing over our lives. I have been saved. I am being saved. And praise God, I will be saved. So what was happening? Well, it was shocking, sacrificial, substitutionary and satisfactory. What was achieved? His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now I want to get to those seven words that I promised. And you're like, oh, well, give me another pen. What should be the effect? What should be the effect on your life and my life? How should we respond? And here's the beautiful thing is you and I have the capacity to respond. Wednesday, once a month, I preach at Carrollton Manor Nursing Home. And what I usually do on those weeks is I preach to them what I'm going to preach to you on the coming Sunday. So I have a practice session, so to speak. Now, this Wednesday was a good Wednesday. There were about 50 residents in there, and almost every single one of them, they they sit in, in wheelchairs. And it's one of the highlights of their day. And I learn so much every time and I go. And I preach it to them just like I preach it to you. Some stuff comes this different, some stuff comes this the same. So I'm preaching away this past Wednesday, and I noticed the guy behind me in a wheelchair. He, he's not, he not responding very much. They're all in wheelchairs, and some of them are asleep, <laughs> some of them are amening, and I turn to look at this guy, and i, I, I he's not even real. <laughs> it's a mannequin in a ball cap and a sweater, and I promise, you ask, you ask Jerry Print, the, the people that go sing there a lot, Every time I go in there, I have to do a double take because I keep forgetting that there's one person in here who's not even real. (laughs) And when I turned and turned back, I told him, I says this guy right here, he he can't respond. (laughs) But you know what the beauty of it is? That every single one of you can respond. Because you are a living soul created in the image of God, and this is what God has done for you. This is what God has done for you. Just think about that statement Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. That's the heart of Christ making forgiveness possible. For all of his enemies standing around there. Isn't that amazing? Look at the mercy and the grace of God. There may be some people around the cross that day who said to themselves, Well, I don't need his charity. I don't need his forgiveness. I don't feel like I've done anything wrong. Father, forgive them. There's nothing wrong with me. This isn't wrong. It's like rejecting the offering of the prayer of forgiveness coming from Christ. What should the effect of the cross be upon those who look to him in desperate need for salvation? Number one, it should lead to a grateful life. Are you ever amazed at the whining and complaining and the grumbling that we can do over all the different courses of things that come our way day after day and night after night? And I'm thinking of Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 that says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. The only way that's possible is to go to the cross of Christ and to see the sentence you deserve to be under and the gift of mercy and grace you were given the cross of Christ ought to eliminate all of our grumbling and complaining. Now this side of heaven it's not going to (laughs) but you ought to be cultivating that and you ought to be growing in that relative to what we deserve which is nothing but eternal judgment and alienation what has God's grace and mercy granted to you? This is how at thanksgiving we preach this. In everything give thanks. How can I give thanks in everything? Go to the cross of Christ. And that will cultivate a life of gratitude. Number two, a merciful life. A merciful life. Look at how merciful God has been. There was mercy great and grace was free. There was pardon multiplied to me. Where? At calvary and ephesians 2 4 but god being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us that's why jesus was crucified because of his mercy and so we go there to try to understand and apply be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful how merciful is our father in heaven father forgive them they know not what they do so at the food pantry, for example, as they come through, and, and God, we know, makes his reign fall on the good and the bad, the unjust and the just. We're not on Tuesday going to ask the people that come through, well, how you been living this past week? <laughs> you been a good boy, a good girl? Well, we got a moral list we're going to check through whether or not we're going to give you food. No, we don't ask that kind of stuff. Because it would be wrong to ask that kind of stuff. We're not going to ask, okay, who are you planning on voting for? (laughs) It's going to determine whether or not you're going to get our mercy and our grace. We don't ask that stuff. Why? Because our goal is to be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful. If you go to the cross and see the depth of His mercy and begin to apply that in your life, then you ought to say, now, now who was it that I was having trouble forgiving? Who was it that I was holding that grudge against? Who is it that I'm just not going to talk to anymore? And the cross of Christ creates a merciful life. And We fall short of this. we know, these are all the qualities that we are aiming for in our sanctification because did, what did we say? Sin no longer has power over us so God through his grace wants to lead us this way. Number three, a contented life. My grandfather used to say here we are all just rushing to judgment day. and Here, here, here we are, me and my family moving again, you know. What are we doing? Well, I'm not saying that's not the wise thing to do. In fact, I think that it is. But we ought to be able to say this in regards to all our discontent and all of our insatiable desires for more. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Now, God may provide more of his grace, but it's enough. It's enough. That he did this for me. If I don't get anything else. If I don't go anywhere else. If I can't do any other thing. This is sufficient. This is contentment. So whether. No matter what circumstance I'm in. Paul says. Whatever circumstances I'm in. If I have plenty or if I have little. I've learned the secret. What was the secret? It was Jesus Christ. A contented life. Number four. An obedient life. You could write a whole book on just this one. God exalted Jesus, super exalted him. This is the Lord of the crucifixion and the Lord of the resurrection. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So he says, if you love me, you will do what? Keep my commandments. The Great Commission, teaching them to observe all that he commanded. The Lord of the cross is the Lord of all. So we say daily, not my will, but your will be done. But then how do you know his will? He has spoken his will in his words. An obedient life that has meaning and purpose now and forever. Number five, a peaceful life. The cross is cultivates a peaceful life therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God. The peace of God passes all understanding and it shall guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We don't return evil for evil or insult for insult but we give a blessing of peace instead because God has blessed us in this way through the cross. There is no fear in judgment but perfect love casts out all the fear That leads to restlessness and hostility and frustration. God gives peace through the cross of Christ. There was a girl playing soccer yesterday. Her name was Serenity. (laughs) Serenity. And I thought, what a beautiful name. Serenity. Man, we are all on that quest for serenity. Her brother was named Adric. I didn't do as well with Adric. I couldn't come up with anything for Adric. (laughs) Number six, a hopeful life. A hopeful life. We now in Christ have a living hope. Here's Here's the deal. If God, through the worst thing that had ever happened, transform that into the best thing that ever happened, then there's hope in every situation. If you're a criminal dying on the cross and you can't go to church, you can't be baptized, I can't join a small group, I can't do anything, I am nailed literally to my curse and my sentence, what am I to do? I'm dying. He turns in faith to Christ. Christ crucified was his hope. It was always hope as long as he had bread. Today was his day. Yesterday's history and tomorrow's a mystery, but today is the day of salvation. This hope we have is an anchor for the soul, it enters into the veil. Paul talked about Christ in you, the hope of glory. How do we know that God's going to keep all of His promises? If He kept this promise to have His Son crucified, then He's going to with Him freely give us all things. He is going to make all things beautiful in His time. He is going to work all things together for good. And He has promised to make all things new. And the proof of all of this is how He loved us through the cross. It gives us a hopeful life. Then last of all, here's number seven. See, it didn't take that long. See the clock on the wall back there. See, you didn't think I was keeping up. I'm keeping up. I can see Tammy and Randy and that clock just barely. A joyful life. A joyful life. Listen, there's a lot. In this world that's wrong. With you and me and everything around us. But Jesus said I'm going to give you joy. And no one can take the joy that I give you away from you. And if this is your source of joy. Then no one can take away his joy from you. Now, Let's be honest. Everything else is going to be stripped away. Everything else. This is all we got. But it's more than enough to give us the joy that God desires for us to live with and to live for. Now that's easy saying behind the pulpit. I know that. But this is where God desires to take us. In this world you will have tribulation. But let your heart take courage. Let it take joy. He's already overcome the world. This is how we get to Philippians 4.4. 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And again, I say rejoice. How? Do you know what's been happening to me lately? Do you know what's happening to my family? Do you know what we're going through? God certainly does. There are no shortcuts to joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. How do we do that? By faith in His steadfast love. This is a love that will never, ever let us go. I love Jude 24. We worked through Jude in youth camp, student camp, earlier this summer. I think that was back in June. To him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you before his glorious presence. Listen, here it is. Without fault and with great joy. That's our future. And that's our father. He started with father. Father, forgive them. He ended with Father. Father, into thy hands. Complete and total surrender. Fall break, as we were leaving the beach to come back here, I guess it was the Friday before Judy Whittemore's memorial service on Saturday. So Bennett has been begging me for two or three years to stop by that ropes course that's near Pier Park in Panama City Beach. There is a three-story ropes course near Pier Park in Panama City. And I've been putting them off and putting them off. So eventually I says, we're going to do it. Me and you, we're going to go do that ropes course near Pier Park, near that big wheel that they got down there. I've never done a ropes course. And they say there's a pretty good one of some sort near Whitesburg, right? Is that true? Zip line. Totally different. Stay with me. And I was kind of hesitant. I mean, ugh, this thing's pretty tall. And I see they got some things that you can hold on to, but they got some narrow boards to walk, and it looks like this right here. you got to step around and go around. All these different scenarios that look terrifying and fearful and scary. And, but what I didn't realize, and I guess I should have realized it because all of you probably already knew it, they put you in a safety harness before you ever step on the thing. They secure you very tightly, I might add. <laughs> but you know what I discovered? Is that when I knew that I was absolutely secure and confident and couldn't fail, couldn't fall, you'd be surprised when we realize that what we're capable of. I walk some things. A rolling, a rolling log type thing. I mean, I did, knowing that I was safe, stepping on all these three story. Where if, if I didn't have that safety harness on, I wouldn't have tempted any of that stuff. But with that, the experience was not only challenging, but it was joyful. So I'm going to close with this. I don't know which side of Christ you're on, but you're on one side or the other. I think it's interesting Luke said there was a thief on one side and a thief on the other. I have always said, this is just me, you could divide all of humanity right there. One side or the other. Or everybody else resting on the middle. I want to be one of those resting on the middle man. Jesus Christ, the mediator. And the joy that we have is resting on that middle man. Resting fully in him. You have that promise that he will present you before the Father. Here it is. Without fault and with great joy. How can we live so confidently? Because we see in the cross of Christ a love that will not let us go. How could you not surrender to that kind of amazing love? Not just for salvation, but every day of life. Until we see him again, we will be like him. Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for this story. For many of us, this is not new information, but we just need to think through it and turn it over in our hearts and minds and respond to it appropriately. We are secure in Christ. Save past, present, and future. That releases us from the fear of sin and guilt and death and hell and, and satisfies you, satisfies us. Lord, what a joy it is to know Christ. And I pray that everyone in the, in the sound of, of, under the sound of this voice, that they would look to Jesus by faith and say, Lord, remember me. And what a response. Today, paradise with Christ, that's good news. May we embrace it and live it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Take my life, lead me Lord. You come as we sing. Couple of things I'm about to say. Choir at five, right? Choir did a wonderful job today singing. Thank you, Catherine, for that. Choir at five. Uh, adult Bible study at six. Children and youth at six. Then deacons' meeting at seven. I know what I wanted to get to. Tuesday night. Tuesday night is our closing Glenlock soccer evening. But here's what I'm going to do. Miss Elaine has announced for the women to come to WMU. Okay. So here's what I'm going to ask. We need a few good men to come Tuesday night and help us serve pizza. We're doing pizza this year. Pizza and drinks to the players. We've got about 50 players. Uh, we're going to have a little over 100 people Tuesday night at the field. The women are at WMU, and those are usually the ones who carry the load, right? So Tuesday night, if you would like to come help serve at soccer... Uh, see me or see Bryson, and uh, all you got to do is show up. We'll, 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 we'll tell you what to do, Billy. Just show up, right? Y'all be in prayer. Billy, last week, we mentioned um, a 15-year-old who who had not passed yet at the time, Ann Parker's grandson. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Manny. Uh, he passed. So let, let's pray for that family, Manny Farley. Uh, that service was yesterday at Carrollton High School, and Billy was there, and Ann was there and a lot of other folks let 's continue to pray for them. Um, any other announcements, prayer requests? Don't oh. for the food yes, thank you, Miss. Yvonne. Peanut butter for the food pantry. Miss <laughs> okay larry 's cousin passed. Pray for that family. Y'all have a blessed week. Catherine, would you close this, please?
1: Their name again this week together. No other name but the name of Jesus. No other name but the name of the Lord. No other name but the name of Jesus. Have a great week.